Friends, we, Reed and I have been talking lately, and one of the things that we've been thinking about in terms of equipping our church and educating our people is doing a series of sermons, and they won't be in one big stretch, but a series of sermons over the summer that, that talk about some of the deeper theological issues that Christians face. So I'm going to go first today. I'm going to be talking about a little perspective on suffering. If you would go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, if you're a note taker, you're going to want to have your notes ready because we're going to look at a whole bunch of supporting scriptures that go into this. Let me pray for us and we will study the word together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So there's this actress, Gwyneth Paltrow, and she got herself into a little bit of a controversy this week. She's been doing that pretty much nonstop all year long. But, but this week, she went as far as to say that the negative comments that are posted about her online are the equivalent of the dehumanizing impact of being in an actual war. We can all agree that saying unkind things is hurtful. But to compare anonymous online posts to being on the front lines of a real war is absolutely ludicrous. There is no way that these two things are comparable in any stratosphere. They're both negative, but they're not comparable. In today's scripture, Peter is going to address this idea of suffering. And suffering, like a multitude of other words, gets co-opted into many discussions And and it gets used when it's probably not the right word that we're looking for to describe the situation. So, for example, when you were a kid or when you had kids and you ground them and you send them to their room, right? Their room that has their games and their books and their toys and all of that stuff. And and the kid gets into it and, and they're about like two weeks into a month of their grounding and they come out, you do not know the suffering that I am under when you ground me. Or, or for us Floridians, right, we get to about the second week in February and it starts getting really, really hot and we all start walking around and we're like, oh, I am suffering. This heat is so bad. Well, for the most part, let's just be honest, neither one of these scenarios, neither one is really suffering. It's not There are other kinds of suffering. Some of us have suffered with cancer or the untimely death of a loved one. This is a kind of suffering that we didn't necessarily have any control over. We didn't cause it. We couldn't stop it. This is not within our realm of control. Another another kind of suffering is the consequence of sin. And, And though I would hardly classify being grounded as suffering, if you want to travel down that road then that's the kind of suffering that we bring upon ourselves. If you go out and you have an extramarital affair and that causes your spouse to divorce you and you suffer because of it, that again lies in the scope of your responsibility. Here in 1 Peter 4.12, Peter's going to hone in on yet another type of very specific suffering. And this, <clears throat> this kind of suffering is the direct result of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. 
but rejoice. Rejoice in so far as you are sharing Christ's suffering so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. You've got one verse and you've got so much packed into it. When you read this, it sounds as though that Peter is responding to some very specific incident, some kind of fiery ordeal. That's not really the case. The section of this letter is more about what's going on in the prevailing culture of, of the day. So what's happened is you have King Nero, and he is, he's the head of the empire at the time. He has spent a lot of time persecuting Christians. And so what that did was that set, that set up a precedent for local officials in all the different provinces to treat Christians as though they were criminals. The suffering that Peter refers to, very local, very sporadic, rather than universal and under imperial mandate. Indeed, he speaks more about Christians suffering verbal abuse and social ostracism than he did of martyrdom. So if you were looking for martyrdom here, that's probably not what you're going to find. Nonetheless, Peter argues that sharing in Christ's suffering is something that we should rejoice in. I've never met a kid who gets grounded and is like, yes, best day of my life. But that's what Peter's arguing here for. On a secular level, that sounds a whole lot like this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you, which if you were ever on the receiving end of a spanking, you know is an untruth. It's an untruth. But the concept of rejoicing and suffering, particularly when it comes to suffering for your faith, is steeped in a very rich theology. Peter didn't just come up with this all on his own. Jesus addressed it himself in the Sermon on the Mount. He says in Matthew 5.11, Blessed! Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, we're talking about a very specific type of suffering, the kind that results from being a follower of Jesus Christ. So when we follow Christ, we seek to live the way of Christ. And the Apostle, the Apostle Paul talks about what following Christ looks like and why it is that it's okay to rejoice. Peter, Paul, Jesus agree. Rejoice in this kind of suffering. Paul writes about it in Romans 6.3. He says, don't you know? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too get to live a new life. So I want you to think about that for a second. How far are you willing to follow Christ? Would you go as far as following him to Samaria to talk to the woman at the well? Would you follow him to the temple and sit at his feet as he was teaching the scriptures? How about to the holy city? Would you follow him on Palm Sunday, would you get your own donkey and just ride in with all the palms? Would you follow him that far? Would you follow him far enough, far enough, all the way to the shame and the suffering of the cross? Would you follow him that far? See, the one that we follow didn't just go from life to resurrection. It didn't happen that way. There was suffering in between. There was this complete and total death. And if we're going to follow him to the resurrection, then we have to follow him through the suffering and the dying. Otherwise, friends, we've got nothing to be resurrected from. 
The joy part for followers of Christ is that even in the midst of unimaginable suffering, even crucifixion, which was the worst thing that the Jews could come up with at the time, was the most terrible and horrible way to die, couldn't stop Jesus. And when we believe that the promises that God has made to us are true, we can then, with confidence, follow Jesus right on up to the cross. That cross of suffering and shame, because we know this. We know that if we follow him, if we follow him, if we've been baptized into his death, then we are going to follow him right into eternal life. And that promise is absolutely secure. So when the suffering comes, that's a temporary thing. That's a three-day descent into hell. But on the third day, we're going to rise again. Peter goes on to write, If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. You know what that's all about? That's Peter saying that only the people, the only people who are going to have to worry about this, this, this suffering business, the only people that have to worry about it, they're the ones who are identifiably Christian, identifiably followers of Jesus Christ. And Peter is somebody who totally gets the desire to blend into the crowd, to not stand out, who when the chips are down denies Jesus to avoid his own suffering. But the blessing here is, for those that are going to go out into the world and they're going to attract that attention because they're followers of the way, the blessing of that is that when somebody seeks to persecute you for your faith, it means that you've gotten under their skin. There is something about you that is intriguing and wonderful, and they want to figure out what it is because they want to stop it. Your testimony of faith is so apparent, it's so obvious, so undeniable, that they cannot stand the truth of it. They can't figure it out the same way that the Jews couldn't figure Jesus out. So if you're an apathetic Christian, you don't have to worry about this whole sermon because nobody's coming after you. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and your life and your heart reflects it, this one's for you. It frustrated people. Jesus frustrated people so badly that they went all the way to the cross to stop him, and they still failed. So if your faith doesn't bring you a little bit of persecution every now and then, or cause people to think twice about the way that they relate to you, or even make the people around you think a little bit more about their faith, you need to figure out if you're following the way or just getting out of the way so that you don't get hurt. And if you are following the way, the good news is this. The Spirit of God will be upon your shoulders, be with you every step of the way. But if you're going to suffer, says Peter, you make sure that that suffering is for the sake of Christ. Verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even as a mischief maker. That's an entirely different type of suffering. That's the kind that you bring on yourself. That's sin. That's the grounding kind of suffering. That's all you, and Jesus is not going to take the blame for that. Yet if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear the name. For the time has come when the judgment to begin with the household of God. For if it begins with us and will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God, And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinners? Therefore, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to the faithful creator while continuing to do good. 
Let me go back here. Yet if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear the name. You bear the name. When I do a baptism here, and, and we have a little one come forward for baptism, I usually invite all the kids of the church to come forward. And we have this huge discussion about tattoos, right? And how every person who's been baptized into Jesus Christ has a tattoo on their heart. It is irremovable. There forever. We bear the name. We bear the name of Jesus Christ. And we go out into the world as his representatives. We're his team. There's this wonderful little children's book called Bat's Big Game. And it's about this bat who, because he can fly, he gets to choose between being on the animal's team and being on the bird's team in the big soccer game. And he starts out on the bird's team, and he goes and he gets himself the jersey. It's got a B on it for birds, and it's blue. And, and he puts it on, and he's all excited to be part of the bird's team until the first goal is scored. And it's scored by the animals. So Bat ducks around a bush, and he takes off his shirt, and he puts on the animal shirt. And he goes out there, and he starts playing for the animals. And he does that until the birds go up two to one. And then he goes behind the bush again, and he changes, and he goes back and forth, back and forth, until eventually what happens is both the animals and the birds realize what he's doing, and they tell him that he's going to have to sit out the rest of the game. Because that's not how the game works, and that's not how the team works. You stay with the team, whether you're winning or losing. Because the trials that the team goes through are what makes the victory so wonderful and so worth it. Colossians 2.12 reminds us that if we're baptized into Christ's death, we're certainly baptized into his resurrection. Exactly what we see again and again and again all throughout the New Testament. There's no resurrection without death. There's no victory if you're not in the game to begin with. If you can change your faith on and off the way that you change your t-shirt, then you have to ask yourself, are you in it to win it? Is this your life? Or, or is this just something that's disposable to you that can be changed? Seems like an easy and convenient thing when it's just that, easy and convenient. Gwyneth Paltrow is not the only woman making the news this week. There's another woman. Her name is Miriam Ibrahim. Miriam is 27 years old. She's an Orthodox Christian, and she's been sentenced to death. She has been sentenced to die in the Sudan for her faith. She has a 20-month-old son. She just gave birth to a little girl. And under the terms of her imprisonment, she will be allowed to nurse the baby until the child turns two, at which point she can receive 100 lashes and be put to death. All of this, all of this because she refuses to renounce Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now, there's been worldwide outrage about this, not because of her Christianity, not because she's a follower of Christ, but because it seems like a human rights violation to a lot of people. And so there's the possibility, even as recently as yesterday, that they might let her go. It doesn't change the fact that she was willing to die for her faith. Friends, we here in the church in America, we hear stories like Miriam's, and we have to have a really hard gut check about what it means to suffer for Jesus Christ. Not getting invited to a party, losing a contract, being excluded from social functions, or, 
losing a job or having to give up a few hours on a Sunday morning. That's not suffering. That's not suffering. It may be difficult. It may be frustrating. Believe me, when I am up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning getting ready for that 8 o'clock service, I have these moments of this is suffering. But there's a 27-year-old woman sitting in a prison cell getting ready to lose her life. Lose her life for her faith. I sure, I sure as hell can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to be here for a worship service. Friends, suffering is not fun for anybody. It is absolutely not, but we've got to put it in a little bit of perspective. The good news is this, that any suffering that we endure, any suffering that we endure because of the one whom we follow is going to be redeemed in glory, and that redemption is going to be eternal and everlasting. So in the long run, we've got nothing, nothing to lose. That's the good news of the gospel. Amen.